Hi, this is the first episode of Mecha Dungeon Meandering, a new series on the RPPR Patreon. In each episode, we look at a level of a well-regarded Mega Dungeon, starting with the OSR classic Stonehell. We talk about the level design, encounters, and everything we like and don't like about it. We're up to episode 4 on the Patreon, so if you want to keep listening, sign up at the $5 level to get access to all of the episodes today. Also, over the last few months, I have been mirroring the RPPR back catalog to YouTube. I was posting a lot of episodes every day to catch up. I'm almost done, so I've slowed down to one episode a day. I am working on making new RPPR episodes for both video and audio. Please subscribe to the channel and stay tuned. Now enjoy the episode. Hey, it's Ross Bain with Roleplaying Bubble Radio. Woo! This is our brand new bonus podcast series for the RPPR Patreon called Mega Dungeon Meandering. This is uh, similar in some ways to our main uh, bonus series, After Hours, uh, but it's very different in other ways. So we're going to be reviewing older uh, RPG material. But, uh, you know, After Hours, we look at the sillier stuff that we can kind of laugh at because, well, it's silly. And RPGs are basically silly. You know, they're games about pretending to be an elf. Um and but this is like the opposite side of it. This is like, I think this is neat. And so in Mega Dungeon Meandering, we're going to be looking at a mega dungeon and just going over it until we it's all a dungeon, <laughs> but bigger. It's so much more than just that, Tom. It's it's not just no, bigger. That, no, it's, that's that's all it it's is. mega er. It's the you mega get to use terms like cultural drift and it applies. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. What other supplement can do that? I learned a new word, ambushcade. Uh, yeah, that was talking about the brigands ambushcading people. And that's like <laughs> ambushing people from a concealed position. It's like, oh, okay, that's an interesting word. I'm probably mispronouncing. But anyways, um, yeah, so I want to I want to talk about mega dungeons because I think they're neat. And I think they're, they're a fascinating uh, subgenre of RPG adventure. There's not a whole lot, actually. There's, I mean, by that, I mean, there's several dozen books out there. But over, uh, you know, 50 years of this hobby uh, or close to it 40 or 50 years uh depending on when you count the origin um yeah only a few dozen books uh, exist that could be qualified as mega dungeon so i think they're in this is uh uh we are gonna be looking at stone hell uh which came out in 2007 to 2009 by michael curtis it is ostensibly for labyrinth lord uh which is an osr uh game from that era uh which is basically it it old ad and d with the numbers you know uh serial numbers filed off it is very D D based so you could easily run in, in any D D uh knockoff kind of osr game that you could imagine um and uh but yeah so we we should first you know talk about what is a mega dungeon and uh you know chris you did some homework on this how would yeah. you define mega dungeon how would i define mega dungeon well uh, uh let's see here i've uh I've, I've collected a lot of uh terms here and um let me see here so uh, uh i want to go off some of the things that you had first told me so that you so i could better understand what a mega dungeon was for diving into it and you told me one of the anchoring principles of a mega dungeon is is scale massive scale mm-hmm. um <clears throat> And I agree with that because, uh, you know, I was joking earlier about the, I, I wasn't really joking about cultural drift because like, you know, that's kind of the idea behind these things is that uh, a, a macrocosm in miniature, I hope I'm describing it correctly, mm -hmm. because uh, uh, the idea is that, you know, it, this is a, this is a location, a wide location that has had so many lives go through it. And therefore it's been around for, you know, hundreds, thousands, perhaps millions of years. And, you know, cultures and civilizations pass through their subcultures, live and die. And uh, 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 there's history to uh, it. There's history to it. It's yeah. lived in, and yeah. it's 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 a defiant presence because by mm -hmm. the very nature of a mega dungeon, it can never be rooted out. 
It is, you know, a mega dungeon is malignant. It is damaging to the to, to the to the surrounding area. Never mind to its occupants. But it is, uh, it, it, it is such a feature. It would be like saying, you know, remove the Rocky Mountains. Well, you couldn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's the main thing is also, uh, they, they, and this, because of the scale, this is like a campaign setting. Like you, if you say we're going to be doing Stonehell, well, that's, that's, that's what the, we're doing. That's the campaign. Yeah. Like, and that's going to take you many sessions to get through it. I mean, you could adapt part of it as like part of your campaign setting, but like this is like, you know, it's it's not a like a normal dungeon is like a place that you have a single story, a single plot happening. You know, rescue the princess, find the magic item, the dungeon, get out and leave Uh, this. So it's like a a, a single building, you know, maybe a big building, but that's it. But a mega dungeon is like a city or even a tiny country. And so you're going you're having this travelogue through this dungeon, meeting many different groups of people, meeting, encountering all kinds of, you know, vistas and traps and yeah. wonders and yeah looting well yeah there looting, would be, killing there would be a lot of looting and killing yeah obviously but like um you kind of have to uh think of it from that perspective that this is broader than a single adventure there's not not a single story in it i'm not a single plot it's multiple things and it's an ongoing thing so it's, it's more like instead of you know i uh, think more like lewis and clark going to the west rather than like uh god uh the founding of you know uh you know the mayflower reaching uh, and building a city that's that's like a standard adventure right like but lewis and clark that was a lot longer and they encounter a lot more shit and goddamn it, it yeah. was. i was about to say like except you know there's in the Demega Dungeon, there's no the more killing and looting, but oh, wait, no, this is Lewis. That's Lewis and Clark Expedition. That mm-hmm. there's, there's lots of that. Yeah, now we have to make a colonial mega dungeon. You understand this? Right? I mean, they're all colonial, like if you think about it, because like the idea is you're going in there, the people are living there, you're just going there and killing them, taking their shit. So, like, yeah, yeah, so yeah, you know, we, the woods are a dungeon now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, we're not getting into the politics of colonial dungeons, <laughs> it's the dungeons. redistribution of stuff. Yeah, it is a redistribution distribution of stuff um so yeah there's a lot of mega dungeons there like i said uh i and i chose stonehell because this is not a first party thing it's not it's not published by tsr or wizards of the coast or paizo or any this was published by a single guy and uh that he wrote over a period of several years uh uh, you know in the second book at the very end he has a little book in describing his writing process and everything like Mm. that Uh, and we'll get into that in a later episode but like um he just wanted to write a mega dungeon and so he did (laughs) Which there is, admir- which is yeah. admirable in itself. Like, yeah. hey, I want to do this thing, and I do it. Yeah, and he—it's not even available on. Uh, uh, I think you, you have to get it on Lulu.com. It's not even on Drive Through RPG. Yeah. He, he just like uploaded it back then. I was like, yeah, it's done. And but it's on all the lists of like best mega dungeons of all time. It's somewhere on those lists. Uh, like you found some of those lists, right? Yeah, I was doing a little, you know, trying to get some surface level knowledge across, you know, like like you know. What what is considered a mega dungeon? Who considers which supplement to be the best mega dungeon or to be the most interesting? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, uh, um, what are the um, what, what one of the one of the one of the really cool things that I found in uh, uh, researching this stuff is that um, so I, I, I t- you can correct me, please. Yeah, it's my understanding that a lot of people considered like you know the Ur mega dungeon or the first mega dungeon is to be is to be you know Castle Greyhawk, correct? That is, yeah, that's one of the contenders. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, 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 so it's like, so like I, re- I read, you know, this could be probably apocryphal because they didn't reference anything, but across about three blogs, I stitched together a story about Gary Gygax. And uh, uh, um, initially, he didn't think that people would pay for supplements. Yeah. He, yeah. He just, he just thought that, you know, he also said, think that women didn't, wouldn't play role playing games. Like, yeah, he was. <laughs> 
So, he had a lot of ideas. Yeah. So like, uh, it actually took like quite a few like 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 a T- TSR had to like publish a publish a, a a supplement first, which I think was called like the Lair of the Poison Queen or whatever. But when they actually yeah. started selling, Gary was like, "Oh, okay, maybe I can take my notes." And from among those notes, he he, he cribbed from his uh, uh, Greyhawk scenario, yeah. and uh, um, and then and, and from and from that, you know, he started uh, uh, putting more of his stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first Mega Dungeon that was published by TSR. I think it's called like a, a quest of the undermountain or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah dude, we're not going to, we're, we're not a historian blog. We're going to be focused on that. So or, uh, not blog Jesus podcast. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And those early, those very early ones I know are more characterized by like what we call like a roguelike kind of thing, which is like, here's a lot of dungeon levels with a lot of monsters. And you just, you know, 20 levels of dungeon with randomly generated monsters and shit like that. Um, and there's not really much of a story or plot line, I think, uh, in, in those earliest ones. Uh, but that kind of changed. It's, it's a dungeon, but bigger. Yeah. At that time. But like what really changed, I think, was Caverns of, uh, I think, Tharsia, which was written by uh, Janelle uh, Jacquez, uh, who is a pioneer and a great game designer. And uh, by the way, I'll link to her GoFundMe. She's had some medical issues recently. Um, so uh, donate to that if you want to help one of the pioneers of this field. Uh, but what she did uh, was in, in Caverns is create a organic place with a history and also like had uh, there's some certain features like the Alexandria and some other blogs have written about them. So like the earliest mega dungeons were very like artificial, like they just like were excuses to fight monsters and blah, blah, blah. Um, these were like places that had history and like, oh, the people in this area of the dungeon have this, this reaction to these people in the dungeon. And like there's multiple entrances and exits. And like these areas are sort of isolated enough that if you get in a fight over here, not everyone's going to hear and come over and, you know, overwhelm you. Um, and it, it, you know, there's secret passages. There are uh, it, it's a big. So there are a lot of structural things she thought out that other mega dungeons have done since then. The climb the, you know, the to 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 climb on that on that that mention of like uh, different factions within a dungeon mm-hmm. like uh, 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 yeah they're, 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 uh, let's see here uh, pa- uh, paperpencils.com uh, uh, wrote an article here about uh, what they consider to be the uh, the anchoring principle of a mega dungeon mm-hmm. and for them uh, the most important thing was actually to have factions yeah. to have multiple groups with multiple goals that the players can decide to insinuate themselves with or not so that they can choose a side so they can get involved in the ecology of this world rather than just being you know invaders so to speak yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and we'll see that in stone hell quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, I think that's really important is Mm. to have, um, not everybody's out to get you and you can't just fight the entire world, right? Like you need to make allies. Like one, one classic thing about a mega dungeon is it's so big. Once you get far enough down, you can't go back to the surface easily. So you have to find some safe place to rest and to recover and, and, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then of course, if you build allies, they can tell you information about the dungeon and, you know, show you secrets. Um, and, or you, uh, you know, just an item shop where you can sell your loot. Yeah. I get more and more food and uh, healing potions and whatnot. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's like, I think a key principle and it's thinking about this dungeon, not as like a lot of RPG writers design dungeons as this kind of like theme park or artificial place that only exists to challenge the characters. Right. They, they don't think of them as a place that exists in the world, you know, like, um, that has its own history and has its own relations, uh, uh, you know, and it, its own sense of place. And I think that's a key difference as well is, you know, it's easy like, oh, yeah, the lizard, the wizard lives in this evil 
tower that he made magically. <laughs> and he built it and he built it over centuries for some reason. And but nobody's heard about it. You haven't heard about it. You know, we, you've been adventuring in this kingdom this entire time. But guess what? Now there's a tower and it was there all along. Shut up. I just made it, you know. Yeah. It's like, wait, so yeah. you're telling me we've been here years and we never heard about this like hundreds of kilometers wide. Yeah. Yeah, place like. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, but a mega dungeon, the idea is, you know, most mega dungeons that I've read, and especially this one, talk about like what people think about it and what people know about it. Like it, it, it talks about like how, you know, what the player characters will hear about the dungeon before they ever set foot in it, you know? And I think that's important that it has that kind of ripple effect. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, yeah. The approach you need to be like, cause you're going along to, to the place. You need to hear some shit about it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, that's the thing is a lot of RPG designers will write an adventure that has no footprint, no, no ripple effect throughout the world. Oh, that's not, God. Yeah. The one time we did like, I did a dungeon module. Yeah. It started like, okay, so you guys are in, in, heading to the dungeon now. Like, wait, wait, what? Yeah. Like, no, what, what do you mean? Why, why are we going there? Do you remember which one it was? No, it involved. Uh, it was like an, like an underwater no. uh, dungeon. I no, that's fine. It's fine. I mean, there's so many, right? Like I mm-hmm. can name every dungeon I've run. Um, but yeah, like that's that's kind of the common thing. Is like, oh yeah, it's a dungeon. It's it's. Do you view the adventure as an ex- as a, as a setup for the adventurers to do cool things, or do you think of it as a place for the adventurers to you know interact with the world? Like it's a, it's a yeah to make fo- their mark and yeah. tell their and tell part of the story of the place. Yeah. Yeah, I might think that like, uh, you know, there might be like a, a generational concern as far as like a, a TTRPG players are concerned mm-hmm. here about like, you know, how the mega dungeon, you know, is is has has was introduced, lived and is still changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what I've read, uh, have you heard the term Gygax naturalism? Yeah. Okay. So, so like, apparently, like a problem, like back around the seventies and early eighties, a lot a problem that players would have with adventures is like it wasn't plausible. Mm-hmm. You know, you just couldn't tell. Like you said, you can't just say a wizard did it. Yeah. I mean, like you can today in twenty twenty three, absolutely a wizard did it. In seventy eight, I don't know if you say a wizard did it, I think they call the police. Uh, but but uh, um, so it's from that uh, uh uh you know that naturalism. Uh, 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 because, be, because, because, you know, Gygax at all and people who were designers didn't think the players would take it seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, it just wasn't even really approached. And so, you know, you just kind of have people like giving, you know, these, uh, these, these, you know, ghostly outlines, these, you know, the, you know, the, the stable, but, but, but still kind of frail framework mm-hmm. that people can, can plug their adventures into. So like, uh, uh, so, so, you know, when you compare something like Stonehill to something that was done like, you know, earlier, uh, those big box TSR sets, for yeah. example, um, you know, the, you know, Stonehill comes with an understanding and appreciation for like uh, the way the, the way the art form has evolved and as well as its players, uh, because Stonehill is written with the confidence and it, you know, the, I appreciate there aren't like a bunch of guardrails here trying to trying to like, you know, explain away things or mm-hmm. excuse certain things. It, it it very much takes the players agency to, you know, fill in the blanks and spaces around Stonehill. And, uh, you know, and, and it's interesting because, like, you know, that clearly wasn't a consideration given to earlier mega dungeons. It was it was about, yeah. like, you know, how can we explain where these goblins go to the toilet? Exactly. Uh, yeah. wh- why? Why do you care? Well, they had to care for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> well, like, and more importantly, like, why are the goblins there? What do they do when the adventurers aren't there? And, like, Gygax and Naturalism was like, who, who the fuck cares? You know, like, Gygax and Naturalism was because RPGs were so new. Like, people were just excited to be killing goblins in a dungeon, <laughs> 
you know, as like, you should. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They weren't like they didn't give a shit. They didn't think about anything else other than like, oh my god, this is my guy. He's got to kill all these goblins and get the loot and level up. Yeah, you yeah, know? Um, yeah. So I can get stronger and kill more things and get more loot. Yeah, you got to get to name level, Tom, and so you can build your own little castle or wizard's tower or whatever. Uh, I yeah. was lucky to really be introduced to the TTRPG scene as you know it because you brought me in when I was in college. <laughs> But like, you know, from the jump, what I've been playing with Ross since all the way back in 2003, 2002, the games have always been fo- story forward for me. Yeah. I never mm-hmm. really had the the quote unquote pleasure of playing these games where it's just purely numbers. And, you know, it, 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 the idea is to get stronger and it's all in the honor system. And it's just like, you know, like, like, you know, that that I could do that in a video game, mm-hmm. you know, because there's a there's an invisible referee that's going to keep me on the rails. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't do that at a table. Like if you and I, you, me mm-hmm. and Tom were just like, OK, we're going to get our, our bar to level two and we're just throwing rocks on the table until level two happens. I would lose my mind. Right. Yeah. yeah and I mean, I started with a Palladium game, which I'll say I'll say many things about it. They're a thinking man's game. They're a thinking man's game. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, or TMNT and other strangeness is not exactly a dungeon delvers game. I mean, any game can be dungeon. Delver I know, but game it, if it's you not, want it to be, but it's yeah. not. But it's mostly not. Yeah. So when you guys were playing when you were younger, like say in high school, were you never driven or were you telling stories? Oh, I mean, I, telling I, stories. I, 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 no, no, no. I love D and D. Like I love second edition. I love third edition. I play yeah, a lot I, of it. I like the thing is you can make a story, but it's a different type of story. Like <laughs> I think the Lewis and Clark thing is actually kind of like it would be fascinating to do a campaign of Stonehill and treat it like a Lewis and Clark expedition. Like mm. we're going to this place and we're finding out what's here and like if there's evil, we'll stop it. But like it, it's just the exploration, the story is the journey like you know there are there are just long like ancient stories about like people just traveling and like seeing what they you know encountering what yeah. they yeah that memoirs was, and travel yeah. that was completely not what i did in our right. playing yeah it, i mean it was more like we we think of we compare games to movies commonly right like they have a beginning middle and end and they're self-contained largely like, mm-hmm. you know from the occasional sequel or whatever but like they're not like big sprawling memoirs or novels that are like hundreds of hundreds of pages yeah. long and like meandering like i think that's why use meandering for this thing uh is because like a lot of you can get a great story but it's just like almost kind of like a character study or not not a character study, but just like a slice of life for an adventure you know well like, you yeah. gotta have picaresque pa- you, yeah. you have to have patience. yeah picaresque yeah, yeah that's a good you have one. to have patience yeah i mean it's it's a different pa- it's a different vibe it's just like the story is whatever happens you know and something interesting will happen um because like in stonehill there's n- there there is, one of the reasons why i do like it reading through is because there's interesting things on every level like every single like oh yeah that's neat oh that's cool and you could turn it into a story like you could like this is a toolkit for a gm to make interesting stories with it it just it does so much of the work uh, that a GM, you know, it would take a GM hundreds of hours to yeah. like develop this. Yeah. Yeah. Like for me, like when I was doing role playing in like early teens, something like that would have been poison to me. Yeah. Like, you know, to, if, if I was in a game and the GM was like, okay, you're in this room and there is a goblin in there. Well, there's there. no, well, I mean, there's no random. Everything I know, here but, is placed. So, like, yeah. I know, but, you know, just that kind of thing where it's just, okay, here's now this new thing you kill. I mean, oh my God, really? 
Well, I mean, I think, yeah, that, that's the thing of a, of a lesser, that's the Gygaxian naturalism. Mm. Like in Stonehill, if you encounter a thing, the gate, the book, this book will tell you like where it's from, what it does and where it goes, you know? Like, and also, well, most of my early GMs, they were that type. Yeah, exactly. That's the easiest thing to do is to treat it like a video game. Mm. Like, and like, that's the, the, the subtle difference between, I think like Gygax naturalism and like what a good mega dungeon does is to make it an actual place, you know, like. Um, like one of the big problems with running role playing games in a uh, set fantastic setting in some kind, some place that is like it's easy in some ways to run Delta Green because like in Delta Green, you know, it's the real world, except there's monsters, but the monsters are very rare. They're hidden and they don't affect society as a large. Right. Like normally. Um, so if you like, I go to a grocery store, you know what a grocery store is like. You, everyone knows approximately like what kind of things you'll find there, what kind of people you'll find there, what kind of behavior is expected there, um, that kind of thing. Right. But if you go to like the markets in Waterdeep, like, well, there there's food. Sure. There's merchants. <laughs> there's probably guards. Yeah. There's oddly shaped merchants. So. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what behavior is expected. Is haggling a thing? Is it just standard price? Like, like the the you have to do so much work in order to just like when players even go slightly off the rails, it's just, I'm going to go to the market and look for rumors. Like, can you ask people at the market for rumors? <laughs> like, you know, is that more of a tavern thing? Like, um, yeah. And so you kind of, it, it's not really as firm in everyone's mind. What the setting is. Everyone's version of Waterdeep. At a, you're running, you know, D and D at Waterdeep. Everyone's version of Waterdeep in their own head is slightly different at yeah. best. Um, but like what Stonehill does is like gives you a shared like frame, a, a solid objective. Like this is what Stonehill is like. This is what this dungeon level is like. This is what this is like. And so like the GM doesn't have to do as much of that, like interpreting everyone's version of Waterdeep uh, at the same table. So, mm. um, you know, like maybe the guy goes to the market in Waterdeep and is like, I want to buy an ax. Like, well, is that a food market thing? Or is that like, do you have to go to a different place for that? Or like, do the guards let you buy battle armor? Maybe not, you know, like unless. So, um, yeah, it just saves a lot of that work. Um, but, uh, yeah, a good GM is, 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 can make anything into an interesting story. Like you could do great stories in Stonehill from any number of angles, you know, be like, you must save, you must go there and perform a ritual to put all the uh, restless spirits of the dead prisoners at rest. Or you have to go find this artifact or you got to do this. Or like, you know, let's, let's, let's just flood it. Let's get this magic water, this decanter of endless water, flood it all and kill everything down there. Uh, it's uh, below us, right? Gravity goes down yeah yeah uh or like, does it yeah exactly um, because magic because magic oh there's a lot of magic at stone hell yeah so um with that we should probably just dive into it um so uh the the story is very simple uh moving on there because it does give like you know start, the book starts with like some advice on how to run it um how to use this book uh just kind of overview stuff but then it goes for one two three four uh like four pages of history and then sort of talks about the Features and residents uh, of the dungeon and then like advice on how to cu uh, customize it um, before we even and rumors and before we get to anything. So there's like a 10 pages, 18 pages of material before we even get to the first map. Um, so talking about the the, the history, uh, the potentate, the potentate. Yeah. Tom, what do you think about the history? Uh, give us what was your take on the history of it? Uh, the thing is, like it. What is the history in, in a nutshell? Essentially, it's there was this, there was a guy called the Potentate, mm -hmm. and he was he was the kind of ruler you don't want in your kingdom. No, very fascist, very, you know, 
like you know, totalitarian, law, totalitarian, mm-hmm. very lawful evil. Weird that a king would be like that. Yeah, very lawful evil. Yeah, yeah. And you know, so he was basically he had secret police, and he was, you know, arresting hundreds and hundreds of people, and he ran into that the darn problem that so many despots have. Like, I ran out of places to store all these people I've arrested. <laughs> What's a dictator? It's like that picture of a guy with holding too many limes, but it's prisoners. He's like, I've got too many prisoners. I like the line in the book that says that 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 the, their executioners were tired from swinging their axes, like they, like he couldn't even kill them fast enough. Yeah, I'm no. telling you, our axes are breaking at this. Yeah, rate. they're we're, dull. We're gonna run out of axes. That yeah. spinal cord's harder than you think. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, imagine like just after work, just sitting around like. Like, oh, God, I had 20 today. Like, oh, tell me about it. And they make you haul the bodies away. And then the head bounced off, and I had to chase it down the cobblestone <laughs> street. And the kids were laughing at me. I tripped. It was off. Like, I was they're, thinking of unionizing, but shit, they don't Yeah, they, I had to execute the last guy who tried to start a union. <laughs> <laughs> There's one guy, just like I hacked the head, and the neck comes kind of halfway off. And I hack it again, and it's only a little more halfway off. And I hack it again, and I hack it again. And I went through Zeno's paradox today. It was, it was awful. A, it was a, oh, go no, <laughs> Are you gonna get? Like, are you gonna get fired? Like, actually, the boss, the potentate, really seemed to enjoy that multiple hacks. No, no. Uh, like, I think he might have a new policy coming up. More yeah. dull axes. So, what did he do? With, so, you know, yeah. he's like, he's like, I've got like, I've run out of places, and as as it is often the case, you know, there can't like, the the ruler can't rule alone. Mm-hmm. His grand vizier. You love him. You nice gotta guy. love him. Yeah, yeah. Totally so not. Grand. Totally not Jafar. Mm-hmm. Just says like, "Hey, uh, you know, there's this like really kind of huge cavernous system in this canyon, and you know, we could, you know, take all of our overflowing jails and move everyone there. Mm-hmm. You can have them build it. Yeah, and then so now they're doing work for you, and you don't have to worry about housing them. Yeah. Also, like that, they also said. Though no one knew that the vizier is also a necromancer mm-hmm. and evil wizard. Yep. So weird. Wizard. Wizard. Yeah. <laughs> and so the potentate is like, ooh, I like this idea. Do it. <laughs> That's how I imagine he spoke. Yeah, no, I, I did uh, headcanon for me. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, they move like the, you know, like you know, the first hundred prisoners that move the guards, getting very unmotivated guards. Yeah. But he's like, all right, you're going to start digging. And mm-hmm. you, if you don't dig, you don't eat. Yep. Go. Yeah, and they just kept and they it, like there wasn't like really an architect or anything like supervising them. They just kind of did what I like, build they, rooms, build hallways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this went on for many years. Yeah. Like like hundreds and hundreds of people were kept being shipped in there. Mm-hmm. Then like you know, they and since you know the vizier is a you know wizard and wants to experiment when they find I think they found a cobalt tribe, mm-hmm. they're like Hey, it's like, boss, yeah, we clearly don't want them, but so what if we see what happens when we take this whole cobalt tribe and move them in there? And he's like, it's like, yes, do it, please. I like it. <laughs> and so it, it it starts with like a tribe of cobalts, but then like every time they encounter like a group of monsters, mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, instead of killing them, let's move them into my into my new dungeon. Yeah. And they just and that just keeps going on and on and on. As you do. <laughs> Until finally, the potentate was overthrown inevitably. Yep. Um, and then at this point, the, the prisoners had built a big dungeon. Uh, and then it just, I mean, the, the, it's four pages of stories. So like, yeah. We, we don't need to go into it. But let's just say um, the societies they created weren't exactly good. Yep. 
and as you find out in the second book, that there is actually uh, dungeons below the the prison levels, like that, that predate them. So like it's it's just a site <laughs> where all kinds of shit happened. Uh, there's also this powerful evil monster that goes through the dungeon, fucking things up, and nobody knows about it. It's like the 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 arch villain of the campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot what his name. He's got some weird. It like starts with an N with an, an, a lot Nistrix? of Nistrix. I got it written down. Nistrix, yeah. Or, down here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who partially lives in this reality and partially. And it, it, it's more of a yeah. Sorry. What? The Nixis Nixis this Nixis this Nixis this Nixis this. Yes. Um, so the Nixis is more of a just the you know how like there's the Simpsons joke about like oh whenever you see something that doesn't make sense a wizard did it like whenever you see something in Stonehill that doesn't make sense the Nixisith did it like it's just uh, a, a creature to explain why things are the way they are right. although I will things, say like, yeah. like what I love what I really loved in the uh, history is when like so then like these you know well-meaning adventurers who after the potes overthrown like we have to rescue these prisoners yeah and they try to go in to rescue them and they're like Oh shit! We can't let them out. <laughs> yeah, they are like okay. There, there were a few we could save, but those further down. Yeah, no, nah, we can't have them. Oh, they so- didn't want to come out. Anymore, yeah, they, yeah, we can't have them in society ever again. Yeah. So we- yeah, they like then they just kind of seal it because like. It shit needs to stay in there. But eventually the seal gets unbroken and becomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like in the, in the 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 default suggestion is like it's a place that everyone knows about and adventurers go to it all the time. Uh, it's a well-known place for adventurers to go. And uh, and but it's just and so the monsters know about it, the intelligent monsters know about it as well. And so everybody knows it's just a place where you can go and either hang out or make loot yeah. or, or find loot. And because there's all ready. kinds of rumors of treasure down there. Yeah. Um, and. So the Nixus this also like manipulates things behind the uh, scene, you know, uh, to well, he's one that it's the it kind of encourages monsters to go there. Right. Yeah. So the interesting thing about adventuring is that it doesn't take place, you know, in the real world, it doesn't take place in like stable environments, right? Like in places where law and order and there's peace and there's, there's plentiful food and like security, like that's not where adventuring happens. It happens in places I don't know, like the high oceans in the 17 and nineties, you know, mm-hmm. like where pirates happened uh, or like the wild West, we call it the wild West. That's where cowboys happened, you know, or like <laughs> a feudal Japan with warring or the heart of darkness. Yeah. With the, the, the warlords and- fighting each other. That's where ninjas and samurai and Ronin happen. Um, it's places of economic and political instability where it, you know, heavily armed murder hobos can go about and make a name for themselves, like where there's loot and where there's not many cops around. <laughs> and uh, because we're going to be committing some crimes. We're gonna, yeah. Well, they're not crimes if they, there's no law. Well, no, like, no, like we'll be doing crime based what would be crimes anywhere else. So like all good mega dungeons, <laughs> Stonehill is a libertarian paradise. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, this is what you want. Yeah, no, this is, it, it is a libertarian paradise. Um, and uh, so yeah, anything can happen in like, um, but like, that's the reason why you have to have some invisible monster behind the scenes manipulating things is because otherwise like the, any other neighboring can be like, well, that place is really fucked up. We should send an army in there and like either destroy it or conquer it because we don't want like a place where monsters can build up and invade us occasionally or where an evil wizard could set up shop and like raise an army of demons or the undead or whatever. But hey, it's it's somewhere way off where we don't worry about it. Yeah. So it's just it's kept in flux. It's kept unstable so that no one conquers it or no one destroys it. I kind of think that's an important part of most dungeons, especially this mega dungeons. Yeah. Yeah, Mega dungeons is that they need it needs to be uh, dangerous but it also needs to be far enough away for places that matter it has to be the right level of instability it can't be too unstable otherwise you know if it was 
uh, an, a war was happening, that would be too much for level one adventurers to go to. And if it was, uh, you know, or if it was, you know, an active volcano or magical portal to hell, you know, like that's a little but, much. But a hellish libertarian area. Yeah, where it's just like, you just go there, do whatever you want and leave. And there's, you know, weak stuff on the surface. Yeah. And, and can, no one's keeping track. Yeah. So it serves everyone's interest to have this this very uh, political and historical anomaly because like most people like want things to be stable and safe and peaceful. Like it's war is not usually, fun. The, yeah, the people that hang out in places that are not are usually there for a reason. Yeah, uh, and uh, so yeah, that that so you have to kind of have create these sort of unique circumstances for a good mega dungeon to explain why shit's fucked. Um, and uh, it also explains like well, there's common features like, oh, there's little things that like breathe in uh, fresh air, you know, the in the lower levels. I forgot what they called them, um, but there's let's see here. I think it's here. Uh, come on. The wind obelisks. Uh, yeah. On page 10. Uh, yeah. Found on most level. Yeah. yeah my God. Like, my God. They thought about ventilation. Mm hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And that's one of the things is like the way this was. Michael Curtis playing this from the start, it had a great vision or a vision of the whole mm. thing. And so even in the beginning of the book, he talks about common features that you'll find throughout the dungeon and also like starts laying the groundwork. Like that's another feature of mega dungeons is that like all the levels interact, the levels interact with each other, not every level with every other level, but like, um, you know, even on the surface, they talk about like, oh, there's this feature that references a like level eight or whatever, you know, um, and that's really cool. And like, because that would make sense that like, uh, um, you know, an evil wizard set up shop on this level, but then he left it decades ago and set up shop later. But you could find that abandoned workshop earlier. Yeah. Yes. And all this wizard juice is dripping down through the drains to the lower level, fucking it up even more. Yeah. Uh, well, we all know wizards vomit rainbows. They do. Uh, <laughs> sometimes evil rainbows. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, any other thoughts on the uh, sort of like the the opening section of the history and the common features and the rumors and all that? Well, the this district obviously the this district uh, uh, obviously it offers a canon reason for why the dungeon cannot be defeated because you know I, I you, you until will, you defeat it. Well, is that, that's not in the book, though, is it? It's in book two. Oh, yeah, so you, you can I, fight this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did flip ahead to see. I want to see, like, there are no stats for the, the Nixon. Yeah, because they, we're, we're not done. It's at the bottom mm -hmm. of it. There's 10 levels, and this only describes the first, what, five or six. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, you have to go down to, you have to get the second book. This is a two-book series, baby. Yeah, um, DLC. Yeah, DLC. Uh, there's also side levels and, like, <laughs> other things. Uh, it's an incredibly well-thought-out thing. But, yeah, at the bottom level, you can eventually get to him and eventually defeat him, but it's ridiculously hard you need to be like a high and that's like the campaign model right you start at level one work your way down the entire dungeon and then eventually get to the nixus six and uh kick his ass uh or die you know one of the others but yeah <laughs> uh, or decide you're rich enough and leave yeah exactly um yeah you could do that at any time like uh yeah it, it just depends on how much gold you want to get Take uh, note, rich people. Yeah. You can leave at any time. You don't have to be an asshole about it. You, you don't even have to be with us. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. In this book, this book is the intro stuff. This is like mm -hmm. we're starting slow um, and sort of going from there. So, uh, but yeah, we can actually move on to the actual dungeon uh, <laughs> if we're ready. Well, we're not really going to go to the dungeon itself because we have to talk about the fucking surface level. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there is a rumor table you can go so you can find out rumors before you head there and people give you directions there. 
Uh, but the the actual surface level starts with the it's a the entrance of the dungeon is in a box canyon. Um, so with just one way in. And so it's sort of the, the, the campaign, the, the book starts you like staring in front of this ruined gatehouse uh, that has big holes in it. You could walk around it, you know, well, you have to stay in this box canyon um, and uh, you, you walk through this long canyon and you get to the at the very far end of it uh, is the entrance into Stonehill proper. Uh, but there's a lot between you between starting in that box canyon and getting to Stonehill itself. Um, yeah, we'll we'll start with uh, the canyon, the east side, um, which is sort of dominated by the uh, gatehouse. Uh, it is also but there's some other features in there. So this is what one of the things I really like is uh, and one of the things to talk about mega dungeons in, in general is that it's. The way this is written is really interesting. It's a, it shows you the map. It gives you the the numbers and the uh, like references of where things are. But then you kind of have to read between the lines to figure out the spatial relationships. So you you can read all the text and still not understand how this works because you have to refer to the map to see where things are in relation to each other. Uh, because there's like there's the ruined gatehouse. There's ruined buildings. There's a couple of caves uh, off to the side. Um, yeah, this I am looking on page. Uh, this is page 14. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's, it, it, it was, it was quite interesting. So, um, before, yeah. What, what were some of the highlights for you, I guess, uh, in the East Canyon section? Oh, well, they, uh, let me see here. So, uh, there's the, uh, sorry. So let me see here. Uh, there is a, a statue of a, a saint, a St. Roz, St. Ray's. Yeah. And that, one, one, I do want to mention, like, this is the kind of thing that you can, like, easily customize to your own campaign setting. Whatever lawful good deity you have in your setting, you just make it a, you know. Make it a player character that died in the previous campaign. They they, they achieved sainthood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Something like that. Anyways, go on. Oh, uh, yeah. So 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 the, uh, the, 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 the idea is that when players find this uh, statue of St. Ray's, uh, they understand that, like, uh, uh, that they make, if they make prayer to him, it's a sincere prayer. About a, uh, a a long-reaching, overarching goal that they're striving towards. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they are sincere in their prayers, uh, then the uh, the labyrinth master can decide or after that any like attack and saving rolls that are done in service of this goal get a plus one. Mm-hmm. However, these benefits are not that they're not illustrated to the player. Uh, so uh, uh, so so like you kind of have to have a group that 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 has the same kind of imagination required to make a, a mega dungeon breathe. Yeah, you kind of have to have someone who is going to be creative enough to to pray to this to this statue to get the vision of Saint Ross to hear the message, all that stuff. Uh, let's see here. Also in the east, uh, oh, uh, ro- ro- go ahead. Are we talking? Are we talking about Cole? Oh, yeah. You go ahead, Tom. That's your bit. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. yeah, the bear. The bear. There's a bear. A black bear. A black bear named Cole. Yeah. As Who in, named like, him? Oh, I well, he's he was named by the adventurers. Yeah. So because he is seen yeah. as like a wonderful presence. Yeah. This bear is like awesome. Yeah. When people see this bear, they think like, oh, this is a blessing for your travels into this canyon. Yeah. We saw Cole, though. That means good luck. We'll get a lot of loot. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently <laughs> Cole is just a very chill black bear. Yeah. Well, the adventurers feed him, like they specifically mm-hmm. point out, you know, you get a bonus on your reaction roll. He's not likely to attack you because he's just like, oh, those guys, uh, they'll probably feed me. Yeah. Yeah. What I love is like, I, I mean, I love that. And also it's just a bear. Yeah. There's just a. There's really nothing special. About him. He's mm-hmm. just a black bear that's used to people feeding him. Yeah. Uh, and and it's also used to people giving them weapon offerings, <laughs> yeah. which is, you know, I'm not saying the bird can't wield a broadsword. I'm not saying the bear can't wield a broadsword, but I want to see what this bear does with like, you know, a leather pauldron. 
<laughs> so that, that that could be treasure. Like you you find his den and there's he just like all these like just enough weapons and armor to equip an army just because people keep giving him weapons and he's just yeah he's just a regular bear there's he's not magical he's not cursed there is a there actually I do like that they can give you hidden bonuses if you feed the bear you, you get like a plus one the up to the gm's discretion mm-hmm. uh if you're nice to the bear uh and there is a penalty if you kill the bear and the other adventurers find out you're marked for death people are going to be so pissed no yeah this that you killed cold <laughs> hey, bear i'll say yeah be careful this is how cults start yeah <laughs> The cult of Cole. He's just a cute bear. He's just a bear. Yeah. I know. He's just a cute bear. And if anyone were to harm him, we would go on a rampage. <laughs> yeah. Like a bunch of epic level adventures. Hey, let's go see Cole. We haven't seen him for months. Yeah. Oh, God, he's dead. Well, I'll resurrect him with my magic and cast a scrying spell to find or it, or the to villain. Say, or to say their epic druid, Cole. What happened? Yeah, exactly. There you go. There's your campaign. You got to send your your party in to find out who killed Cole. It's a who done it. It's a who done it. Oh my god! You see, like (laughs) that's the the the, that you you look at Stonehell. It is a toolkit to to project what kind of adventure you want onto it. You know. So yeah, he's going like, like, who's the dumb motherfucker that killed that? There there is a fantasy investigation that came out. I think it's called Sword and the Serpentine. So you could actually do that (laughs) uh, using the Stonehell setting. Like the the thing is, the way this is written is it's very like minimal stat work and stuff like that it's easy to adjust for any uh fantasy rpg system god why am i not having it's like it's like what happened like sarge please it's cole like no (laughs) yeah Uh, it's like i want to know who did this so uh yeah no i really like those like that's what makes stone hell a great dungeon is like it has these lighthearted moments as well as weird fucked up shit too um but also like there's a really cute picture of the bear just just eating some food on the ground. Yeah, there there is some artwork in it. It's just regular kind of you know black and white line art. Uh, but, but yeah, it's nice. But it, I love it. it. And they do have Cole's stats on there in case you are for some reason wanting to kill him. Yeah, I would not recommend. You don't. Yeah. That, uh, even the kobolds and goblins leave him alone because he'll he'll go after their asses. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I and, and when the kobolds when kobolds and monsters can attack you and they have the moral high ground, mm-hmm. you did something wrong. Um, but yeah, one of the first things the players are likely to do, that's, that's all past the uh, gatehouse though. And while there are paths are like the gatehouse is broken in some places where you can just walk, but it's still like partially intact. And so the player characters might want to go into that structure and like a goblin tribe lives in there. Um, and, uh, a lot of, and like they, they have special rules for it being like, it's such an old structure. Um, you roll into D six, you could just, you know, the random encounter could be, you just hear the building groaning, like the, the gatehouse is groaning because it's, you know, centuries old and is not well maintained. Um, but it, depending on the time of day, goblins could attack you because they were driven out from Stonehell and they're trying to figure out what to do next. So they'll try and prey on weak adventurers. Um, there's also an encounter in the gatehouse where you could just encounter the phantoms of dead adventurers and phantoms are just ghosts that don't harm you that you just see what they were doing right before they were murdered. Um, like, a, like yeah. a dark souls, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like a dark souls. Yeah. Yeah, exactly like that. Um, but I thought that was a nice little thing. It's like a mini dungeon before you even get to the proper dungeon. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that, that was pretty neat. Uh, and then there's some building ruins. Um, and yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a, so you could spend like your entire first session just in the, this part of the Canyon. Like, like I would imagine the first session is like, well, do we go in the gatehouse or not? And like, Oh God, there's a bear. Should we leave it alone? Oh, we heard about this bear. It's a nice bear. Okay. Well, let's go pray to that statue. Well, did we get, did we do it right? I don't know. And like, uh, there's another little cave to the North too. Uh, what is that? Uh, yeah, are you in the west section or still in east? East, east. Uh, that was number. Also, two. dude, flame chalk. That's yeah. a great idea. 
That's number two. Uh, oh yeah, that's a flame mark chain. Yeah, that's where that uh, the 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 cave is. There's a what is flame chalk, Tom? It's essentially it's magical chalk that when you write and uh, when you write something on a wall with it, it's in fire. Mm-hmm. So you, it lights your way, and you can leave messages. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of interesting magic items that are like, there's also a journey cloak yeah. in the, uh, yeah. like yeah. very like, utilitarian, very useful magical items. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes sense. Like somebody, you could see a wizard making that for practical reasons, like, uh, and selling them. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's my business. I make flame chalk. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. So there's there's also a former hermit's cave. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Former I think hermit, that- a cured her- hermit. I have not heard of this. <laughs> I was like, well, was like, was like, what happened? Like he met people. He moved five feet to the left. No longer a hermit. Oh, and there's the, yeah, there's two caves, one to the north, one to the south. And the one on the south has some undead in it, some skeletons um, and a cenotaph uh, hemisphere mounted. Well, on Ross, let's be honest. Inside all of us is a skeleton just waiting to get out. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So, like, the first session would just be in the you wouldn't even get past the Canyon East. There's enough here for, like, a full adventure, a uh, full session, at least. Uh, probably maybe even two. Um, but then we move into the West Canyon section. Uh, and here's the, yeah, uh, what do you think about this, uh, Chris? This is the one with the, uh, the hot springs and all that. Uh, let's see here. So, uh, uh, so <laughs> already, already we could see, uh, uh, bits where, uh, uh, we, we're not, we're not concerned with guy against his naturalism. Mm-hmm. We're not necessarily concerned with things being coherent or making sense. We are, we, you know, we, the writer is allowing for the fantastical to occur. And the hot spring cave is uh, part of a, a, a fairly uh, involved uh, cooling system for a here, here, here so far unnamed uh, mechanism deep within the uh, Stonehill dungeon. Uh, and the hot spring cave, yeah, it, it, it's 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 water. It's very hot water. Uh, I think you actually do player damage, and it, oh, yeah. it, and it flows out of the cave into like this pool. And at the bottom of this pool is uh, yeah, it's like a little waterfall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm kind of skipping here. So in the hot spring cave, the water emerges from this pool, but deep in the pool at the bottom is this uh, uh, like a brass ball, like they, they call it a hemisphere, a little half circle, little half sphere. And uh, 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 and from there, this hot water emerges, and then it trickles down to a pond outside of the cave. And deeper than that pond is another half circle, but this one is made of crystal. And this one actually collects the water and teleports it back down into the dungeon, and also cools it. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, it, it and so yeah, the the the, the writing explains this for a machine deep down the earth. But you know, the players, you know, if they're smart enough, they can uh, they intuit this. Well, I mean, yeah, that's it. So this actually is a really good point, because one, I think, key feature of a mega dungeon is to have shit that you cannot immediately explain. Like in a self-contained adventure, if you had that, the players would have to be able to, like, understand what was going on. Or it would just be set dressing of like something that happens that is there's no point to it. Like it's either has a point that is relevant to the plot or it's just set dressing. Right. Like it's one of those things. But in a mega dungeon, it does have a point, but you're not going to find that out for a long time. Like it's going to be like 30 sessions. later, you'd be like, oh, yeah, you find this machine it has this water cooling system. Wait, I'm cast definition spell. Yeah. Remember that thing on the surface? This is connected to that. You'd be like, oh, my God. Um, yeah. So I also like this. One of them knows one of the random things that you can find in the West is rabid raccoon. Mm-hmm. There's just a there's a rabid raccoon that can fuck your shit up. Yep. It's true. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah, no, I do. I do like that. But like the, I think the mega dungeon thing is building up on this and like the idea that you could encounter things that you're just not going to be able to resolve easily or at all, or for, you know, you know, you'd have to go many, 
imagine that kind of payoff though like you, you're we're playing this campaign and then like six months later we you find out what that mystery was that you couldn't like i could imagine player characters poking that hemisphere with a stick and like casting detect magic on yeah it's magical well can we you can't you don't have any tools to rip it up and like maybe going back to it after three or four levels and being like oh we, we've got giant strength a push of giant strength now we can rip it nope you can't uh, like, god damn it <laughs> what the fuck is this and then like you know 10 le- levels later you're like oh my god what the fuck it's connected to that like it's municipal plumbing yay (laughs) it's a cooling system for a magical nuclear (laughs) reactor basically yeah um i i really do like that like that the the, the, they present you mysteries that cannot be easily solved uh but i i imagine that's not for everybody right like i i imagine some players being like oh yeah here's a mystery you want well players with short attention spans yeah i mean this is not like mega dungeon campaigns are probably not for that because it's like building on something that is going to take you a long time like like Stonehill is probably going to take you two or three sessions to get to level one of the dungeon itself, like clearing a path, finding a like figuring out how to get it from the box canyon down into the proper dungeon. Like mm-hmm. provided the players actually bothered to explore these areas. You know, they could just bolt for the entrance. They could. Uh, I mean, if you go through the gatehouse, you'll probably get attacked by the goblins, maybe the rabid raccoon. Uh, if you keep going west, you bet, I, I'd say, if, they, if they didn't get attacked by the rabid raccoon, that's wasting time. It also talks about how like at night. Um, things from the dungeon come up to like forage, like get water and food and stuff like that. So if the players try and sneak around, they might encounter bandits or kobolds or gobbler. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I would say like the kobolds will often leave messages. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, clean up your trash up here. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is like people know that adventures just come and go through here, and so like they kind of like. Um, it's more. It's not guy gaxing naturalism where you just encounter things and you have to fight them to the death. Like they're they you could. Uh, I mean, yeah, you could. You make all story just like you see. Oh, it's a big group of kobolds coming after Darklight. What are they? Don't mind them. They're just coming up to forage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. uh, let's see. Yeah, the we have the the hemispheres. Which oh, are, like, like, by the yeah. way, and if you're or if you're a group like we were in the new world, like, well, I'm going to go talk to all the kobolds now. Surely there's one there that the GM will be stupid enough to do an awesome voice that we're going to make sure he stays in the game oh, no. forever. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's on you. It is on me. Um, I, they even talk about like uh, one of the things I like about the west part of the canyon, too, is that they have oh a group of treasure hunters built their own little lair next to the entrance. And uh, no one knows what happened to them. Um, <laughs> Safe and, to assume they're not coming back. Yeah, uh, it's been so you player characters to be like, oh, well, we can make a door and set it up as our own base and like then find out. OK, we lock the door and we leave. We go dungeon and then we come back a week and a half later and someone's kicked the door. And, oh, fuck. What are we going to do? Yeah, uh, well, probably kill them. Yeah, well, maybe depends on who kicked the door in right can you find them yeah um i i I really like that idea that like people are making additions decades later like like that that little like different levels of the dungeon have different ages um i mean i was like it makes sense that like there would be a society that cropped up just around this place Mm -hmm. because so many people are coming are coming there you know, it's kind of like it's like it's like a dungeon rush. Yeah. It, like so. like Yeah, exactly. Like the Wild West. Like, yeah. Or the gold that, rush, except, yeah. you know, the people that make the most money are not the people that go in there. Mm-hmm. But they're the people that sell equipment to the people that are going in there. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a great place for the guy in the cloak to say, what are you buying? 
<laughs> what are you selling? Um, yeah, I also like how they have things at different elevations in the Box Canyon. Like the hot springs you talk about is high up and then it pours down to a pool on the ground. Uh, they also talk about how it affects the plant life, the, the the vegetation, like the warm water pool that's noticeably warmer than the rest of the environment because the Box Canyon would get very cold when the sun's not on it, you know. Um, so I, I really like that. Um there's so many other features about that. Uh, they talk about like what you can can encounter, uh, you know, like herd animals or just mostly animals here. Um, and let's there is a what was seven, six or seven. Yeah, there's another cave, a little crab cave. Uh, well, yeah, painted cave. Um, yeah, I, I just I really do like how everything like the stuff on the surface is like there's a like there is one hidden room in that little treasure hunter layer that is beyond a secret door and it, it has yeah there's secret door and then there's a secret room in there with a stone table that has been searched many times but in the leg of that stone table is some gold and a magic ring the one magic ring you can find on this level which teleports you to that level if you're if you understand how to use the rings so you could bypass go way below your level <laughs> and just uh uh so yeah, I do like that. Um, and yeah, because it gives you the, these story hooks because like the player character wouldn't be able to use that. It's a speed run strat. Yeah, yeah. Get well, the teleporting ring in level one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, and get it instantly obliterated. Yeah. Uh, unless you know how to sabotage the magical machine to cause it to blow up. Um, oh, I'm sure you could power gain this. You can defeat them in the sixth trick in one hit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it depends <laughs> on the system, too. Like, I know in AD&D back in the day, like, fighters were very powerful, especially uh, early on. And, like, you could, if you specialized in darts, you could throw multiple darts and get your strength bonus on it. So you'd be, like, making three attacks around with a plus six, to, three to hit and plus six damage. So you could just, like, machine gun fire darts. <laughs> so, like, here's my legitimate yeah. thought here. I mean, like, you should, you, Stonehell should be, like, the static element of this. But you should... You, <laughs> Not that you'll do this, but, but 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 a person should cycle as many OSR systems as they can through Stonehill and find out which one they can kill the district fastest. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, and yeah. Just, and see how see how how good they they can exploit each individual system mm. in ways that the designers clearly didn't intend to see how quickly they could finish Stonehill. I mean, there's there, there's that flip side too of like a mega dungeon campaign would also be built on institutional knowledge of the players, right? Like mm -hmm. you your your first party gets wiped, you know, by the at the gatehouse. You run in the goblins, they ambush you, they kill you all. Well, your next group of characters are going to do better, you know, because you know about the goblins now, um, and you just kind of go back and forth until you figured it all out. Um, and, and building map, you know, are you the kind of group that like make draws their own maps of the place or see yeah. that kind of shit like that? Um, yeah, there, clearly not. Yeah. Um, there's even like buried treasure in the middle of the Canyon too, that like, if you know where to look, you can find like a thousand gold or whatever. Um, but yeah, you, the, 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 the book is like, oh yeah, just put a treasure map somewhere in the dungeon itself. And that, that talks about the surface and yeah, but lead there. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's it's really cool. Uh, any other thoughts on the surface uh, that we haven't from any part of the surface that we haven't gone over? Um, because let's see here. We do have a lot of there's. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of graffiti in the, the gates of hell, which was neat. Um, and I like the idea, like, you know, a century's worth of graffiti. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, that's very nice. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like, uh, you know, the, the painted, you know, cave walls. Yeah, yeah. There's no reason to go to the inn for rumors. You could just read all the dirty jokes on the side of the wall here. <laughs> like, ooh, like ancient dicks jokes. Ancient yeah. dick jokes, love them. Uh, let's see, what's my favorite with graffiti? Oops. Uh, Vin 
venture down past the living caves of its gold you seek. Nuggets the size of apples lie there for the taking. <laughs> like it's the size of apples. Uh, yeah. A uh, crude map of the small portion of one of Stonehell's levels is discovered scrawled with an X is on the message. We put it here. Marks one of the rooms. The laboratory is free to determine what it is and where it is ex- located exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, like, I really, really, really hate monkeys. Yeah. If I ever see another ape again, it will be far too soon. Kill a baboon for <laughs> forever, you know, will you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and so, like, I just imagine, like, a Stonehill campaign, just the, the first couple sessions just staying in that canyon, clearing out the side caverns, because there's, like, four total um and there's there's two in the east side and two in the west side and uh just kind of like getting sense of like how we're gonna go into the dungeon itself i mean like i mean it depends too yeah right like you 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 said we could just rush and go straight into the the massive thing because there's a massive arch with a big you know message on there about like oh god this place sucks you know abandon all <laughs> abandon all hope you who went yeah basically uh i'm paraphrasing from the book it's not i, a- I like rosh's better no, <laughs> no fitch tom <laughs> it's like it's like, you stay the fuck out, you hear? Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, and then you go, you run into level one. And level one is, of course, a huge clusterfuck. There's four quadrants to it. That's how big the level is. Uh, so we'll talk about that in the next episode, at least part of it, because I don't know how long it'll take us to get through level one. Um, but yeah, I, I just like Mega Dungeons. Um, yeah. Uh, Chris, what do you think about Mega Dungeons now, having read part of one? I've, I've, I've read some of it. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, they, you know, this is something we've been we've been talking about talking about mega dungeons for a while so like yeah um, yeah i kind of want to write my own that's what got me interested in this I, I have some thoughts but yeah yeah i can appreciate mega dungeons as well it really has a writing exercise most of all um let me because uh, uh as, as we discussed uh, uh the system you know the nuts and bolts of it is not really of, of primary concern here but rather it's just establishing a believable universe mm-hmm. and and one of one of grand scale yeah so that the players can you know become comfortable within it yeah i think that's the main takeaway for me is that like writing a good dungeon a mega dungeon especially is not writing about any given room or trap or monster or anything it's writing about the relationships between like places and people and things mm-hmm. um because that's what makes it alive is that everything exists within a context and you have to create, and that's the trick is creating that context. It's not like, Oh yeah, there's a cool undead skeleton in a cave. Like, well, how does that affect the people living around that? Yeah. That cave. Like they do, you know, uh, do they avoid that cave? Do they worship the skeleton? Like, you know, what's the deal? Uh, what do the goblins think about that? And that, you know, and this, this book does it like people like cold bear, like writing, there's a bear in a cave. Boy, that's hard to write for an RPG writer. Bear in cave. It's <laughs> it eats things. Uh, but like having like, oh no, the bear is beloved by adventurers and a good luck charm, and it does this and it acts like this, and like it. it and, and I, love, I yeah. do love. It's just a bear. It's just and it's just a bear. Um, but like that's that's the key is to figure out that relationship between everything, and that's and that's I think why Stonehell works is because. Everything like Michael Curtis had one person envisioned this whole thing and sort of wrote it from beginning to end and went back and like figured out how would everything what kind of relationships would be notable like, oh, I had this massive hell machine down here. Well, maybe it has a, a footprint that in, impacts the surface and uh, you, people don't know about it. You know, the wizard isn't going around. Oh, by the way, my machine, you know, farts out uh, wastewater <laughs> on the surface 
and I, I suck in cold water. I'm just using the surface as a cooling system for my hell machine, you know. Um, but it's there. It's like what? You don't have a hell machine? You don't have a hell machine? Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think that's a G. So that's the key to a good mega dungeon is the relationships, which is, you know, not what you would think, but like that's I think the key to it is that that's what makes it different from Gygaxing naturalism. So um, yeah. No, I know. I like things being you know, being being built up around a place like this. Yeah. Do you think you could uh, play in a campaign like this? Depends. I think it has to be in the right. I'd have to have the right character, the right yeah. mindset. I mean, like in a fully realized mega dungeon like this, like because like the idea of the campaign is like we're here's this fantastic place of legend that you you know, your grandparents heard about in stories, and now you're gonna go there and find out what's the. I deal. think what's important to start it would be is. Everyone needs to have a reason why they're going there. Okay. Uh, I think I mean, it needs to be well-established. What what reason do you think a character you would play would want to go to Stonehill? Because now you know the story. You know how people would react to it, like what they know about it from on the surface. Well, in the case of this one, it could be like um, one of your uh, like like one of your ancestors mm-hmm. was a prisoner there way back when. Yeah, great. Easy, and, yeah. And like, you know, on his deathbed after he got out, he, he was one of the few that got out. Yeah, and he... He like wrote an account which says like there's something truly amazing in there that I, I laid eyes on. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, but then they, they dragged me away before I could before I could get it. Yeah. So despite how complex this place is, it's still kind of a blank slate to put a story on to. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could be like avenge Cole the bear's death, you know, find out who killed him. Or it could be like my grandpa knows that there's something really cool down there. Let's go check it out. Uh, like Chris, yeah. What would you would you be interested in this kind of campaign? Of course, like, I would. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Um, let me see. Oh, uh, my 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 character would have a a, a morbid fascination with the vizier's grim machinations and would seek to understand this uh, crip, uh Well, not crippled mind. Uh, 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 heinous mind. Dangerous. Much mind. better. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's the thing is also like if I was to run this, I know I would not be like combat all the time. Like you could negotiate with the goblins, you could feed the bear and you could get around all the traps and without a single fight, you could get to the entrance without a single fight. The new world, that was always my favorite sessions. Yeah. The combat light ones. But I would definitely do it in a system that does not like, like this would be easy to adapt to a system that is more general. It's like fate. Like you could do this in fate core Um, and uh, pretty easily actually. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, or any number of other systems. Uh, but yeah, I think that would be the key to it mm-hmm. for me. Also, I would probably start it like when you're on your way there, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe like you're on the boat that's going there or you're, Oh I, yeah, I would start. I would start in the box Canyon. I'd be like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do a flashback vignette mm-hmm. scene of like what your journey was like to get here. But we'll, we'll, we're starting from the gatehouse motherfuckers. You're, you're, you're going to be, we're, we're just doing stuff from the book. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would be interested in the, like the Lewis and Clark thing of like, we're just going through this place and man, there's some crazy shit. And like every session, I just want to see something new. Like we're just going to a new section. We don't have to uncover every stone or whatever, but I want to see what's this quadrant. Like, okay, what's over here? Oh, that's cool. We'll go down here. Oh God, let's run away from that. You know, that kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, we'll find out next yeah. time, uh, as we delve below the surface. Yeah. It's going to be an amazing time. Yeah, cool. Uh, well, thank you all so much for being patrons. Uh, we love you. We we do. And uh, we'll let us know what kind of what you think about Stonehill um, and uh, about this new series. Uh, yeah, for Recommendizer, I can, I'm putting that on hold because 
I ran out of uh, uh, games I could talk about people with. Like I tried to do one for Dungeon Crawl Classics, but I don't know much about the fantasy stories that it, uh, inspired Dungeon Crawl Classics. That weird 1970s fantasy, and I couldn't find anybody who was like reading, you know, Moorcock and all that stuff, uh, Van Art kind of fantasy. Uh, so uh, yeah, this is. Uh, but I love Mega Dungeon, so we're we're gonna be talking about that for a while. So uh, yeah, excellent. All right, uh, thank you so much. We'll talk to you later. Laters. Bye. 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 Hey, I am tugging into microphone. I'm getting delicious levels. Yeah. All right. I love these levels. All right. Can you all hear me talking mm-hmm. into the microphone? All right. Of course we can hear you. All right. That's all we do is hear you. All right. Keep talking, Tom. Yeah. We, like there's a time I, I can't, can't believe we had to talk about levels for three to, so much as we did. Sometimes I feel that's all we do is talk about levels. Okay. Levels rule everything. All right. Uh, Chris. Ah, but I'm on the level. It's superior to all this. <laughs> You're part of the problem. <laughs> all right, yeah. I'm, uh, the, I'm the level haver. <laughs> yeah, all right, we got levels. <laughs> we do have levels. Awesome.